0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Confessions of a Native Son. I'm your host, Mike Stedman, a Marine Corps veteran, entrepreneur, and aspiring author who enjoys thought-provoking and engaging dialogue about race, culture and business got a very special episode for you all as I welcome on my first guest City Medina a Newark based entrepreneur and creative strategist who's worked in the design and strategy industry for over 10 years Medina's led campaigns in an ever immersive media world driven by demanding multicultural millennial audiences through his company Medina City His tireless passion for entrepreneurship and technology has also led to the founding of Equal Space, a unique co working space for financial tech, securities tech, and large media platforms, which focuses on founders of color, LGBT led startups, and women ventures. Medina and I talk about the realities of being a founder of color, the importance of creating our own intellectual property gentrification in Newark and how both our experiences can pave the way for others so stay tuned and enjoy the I'm show what's going on everybody welcome to another edition of Confessions of a Native son we're podcasting today at Equal Space with our very special guest, and actually the first guest on the podcast, Citi Medina. What's up, brother? What's going on, man?
1: Nothing much. I'm excited to be here.
0: First of all, I want to say welcome to the show. For our audience out there that doesn't know about you, just give, you, give them a quick uh, introduction
1: to who you are and uh, what you're doing here in the city of Newark. So um, the best thing to say is that I am a uh, proud founder of Equal Space, which is a co-working share space for people of color, women ventures, and LGBT enterprises. Um, I've been in the beautiful city of Newark for the last like 12 years um, working in strategy. And um, in that work, discovered that there was a need for our community to have a safe space that celebrates them and that provides access and resources. So every day, I get to find ways to program and build opportunities for our communities to win and to wealth build.
0: That's awesome, man And, uh, you know, I was taking a tour, a uh, walk around earlier And I was just so proud of you, bro This place is just so awesome You know, I think, um, you know, in co-working spaces And startups and business You know, it's, I, it's really powerful for me To see people of color reflected and being owners And doing stuff like this Because you started this in, what, 2015?
1: Yes, 2015, we did this... Uh this wonderful pop-up version. A lot of people had doubt. I think that that's the one uniting factor we all have with each other. It's like people can doubt really hard what you're trying to accomplish. So we started as a pop-up shop, completely there for the community and then grew every year where I reinvested in growing it to where it is today. So I'm really proud of where we come, the team and I, not just me, but like the whole team.
0: And a lot, of, a lot of people talk about starting businesses in Newark. Like, you guys are on Market Street. You know what I'm saying? Right? Like, if for those of y'all that aren't from Newark, like, Market Street can be a rough, you know, street. It's, like, urban. It's gritty. But, I mean, you, it seems like you all have had a lot of success. I
1: think it's, you know, because we're reflective, our founders reflect the Newark ecosystem, I think they know market being a central line to our space. And I think they understand that we're trying to be a part of the fabric of the city, not so much some sort of vision that doesn't sync up With what the city has been or where the city is going So when they come to our building We like to say we're like that wonderful surprise Because you come into our building, it's a great building But once the elevator doors open You start to get a real sense of the vibe and the culture that we created um, And we've maintained two For four years we maintained two campuses We just added the floor downstairs Like it's literally opening tonight For our art show So we have an art show tonight
0: Yeah man, like like I said, it's awesome And especially when you talk about like gentrification And urban community Like you all were here, you know, like you're not I mean, you're you're very organic. And just again, I can't stress enough where you're located, I think is a testament to like who you are as a person and a brand and what you got, what you all are
1: bringing to the the city and to the community. That makes me feel like 100 percent we're hitting the mark because if we're not showing everyone, not just through like the design of the space, but like our programming and and me being out there, I'm always out on the streets. I'm always talking to people, always meeting with founders to discover what they need, because it's a listening moment. You can't just like assume that your programming is hitting the mark if you're not listening to A, the attendees, but also the community at large. You know, I might perceive it as we have a complete lack of funding in the ecosystem. So that's a huge hurdle. And that's true. But other founders have given me feedback that they're also missing, you know, the education in how to pitch, how to approach an investor, how to search out what the right investors are. So that helps us inform the programming like, okay, well we need to do an entire kind of immersion on just that side, like what's an accelerator? What is equity? What are those, you know, what are those tricks that they need to know in order to, to kill the game? Because it is, at the end of the day, you have to know the rules in order to play the game.
0: Awesome, man, no, absolutely And God willing, once Ironbound Boxing hits and we're, you know, a lot more profitable than we are, I would love to be able to participate and help you all with that stuff. Because I think both of us, even that's what brought us connected, If just, you know, we're constantly putting out, like, content and being advocates for the city and people of color. And uh, entrepreneurship, I think, you know, social justice stuff is nice, you know, marching in the streets and whatnot, but there's in, there's power in, like, starting businesses and creating jobs, you know, and then um, helping grow and nurture other
1: founders of color so that they can achieve uh, their dreams. I, you couldn't say more. Like, that's exactly why we connected, because we admired each other, right. but I was just like, no, I got to connect. I have to see what you're about. Let's meet. Let's talk about what... We all have needs. Yeah. And I think... Opening up to having that conversation makes us stronger, not weaker. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that's always the trick: is like, how much do I show that I need? That doesn't make me look bad. It doesn't look bad to say, "Hey, these are the, you know, these are the obstacles I'm facing right now. I know I'm going to overcome them." Do you have any outlying networks? Do you have any ideas on how I could? Because sometimes that's that's the trick, right? I could give you my problem, and you're looking at it from the outside in, while I'm in the middle of the storm trying to make it happen. And and you could know someone who could literally help. The next iteration of Equal Space be better, and and vice versa. Ironbound Boxing has a ridiculously dope corporate wellness training program. More companies should be taking advantage of that. It's been proven to show the healthier and the stronger mentally and physically your team is or employees. I don't I don't believe in the employees term, but their team is the better production, the better they bring to the company. So more companies need to know about you, and that's why I want to be your mouthpiece as much as you are. You know, just helping Equal Space and always giving your insight. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, Before we jump into, you know, our sponsors, one thing I like to do on every show is, you know, it is the show's title, Confessions of a Native Son. I do like to make a a confession on here. And one of the things, you know, I want to talk about is like, what are challenges you're facing right now? Like, what's a real challenge for our audience out there?
1: Mm, The confession. The confession is honestly, Equal Space is self-funded. Like, I am the principal investor in Equal Space. And while that brings me a ton of pride, I have to always acknowledge where I have limitations. And so my limitations do impact Equal Space. So right now the obstacle, I always say, is making sure that we're wise with our bandwidth and where we're putting our resources and our energy so that that way we give our community the best we can. But knowing when to pull back and partner as opposed to say, oh, we can do that. That's always my obstacles like Yes, we can do this, but does it? Is are we the strongest there? Or are we better by partnering with a great organization like Newark Arts Council? Or are we better right. off partnering with the city or with one of our anchor companies? That's always my obstacle. Like, I want to help everyone, and then my team reels me in and is like, right, but there's a company and an organization doing that already. So like, get in with them and support them. You don't always have to be the leading voice. So that's my obstacle. My obstacle is like, when do we say... Hey, that doesn't you know, line up with what we're doing, but we know a partner that does.
0: Yeah, no um, no, absolutely. And it's, it's also worth noting like most founders of color are going to be self-funded, whether they realize it or not. I know like people have these grand ambitions of like launching their business, businesses. but you know, when it's like really innovative and if you're just targeting like people of color, that's relatively innovative, You know what I mean? Even just how you're starting your business out. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to hear you talk about that more. But before we, you know, get into the the meat of the show, I want to do a quick shout out to our sponsors. First, I want to give a shout out to Dope Coffee. Dope Coffee is a lifestyle brand that pairs urban black culture with innovative product offerings in the coffee industry. We're not a coffee brand for black people. We're a coffee brand that seeks to elevate black culture through a lifestyle of premium coffee and candid conversation. Also like to give a shout out to Ironbound Boxing, my brand, which is a fitness brand committed to sharing our love, passion, and appreciation for boxing within companies, organizations, and low-income communities. As a social enterprise, we proudly dedicate a significant percentage of our proceeds to fund free boxing programs for inner-city youth and young adults. Boom. Um, Obviously, you've been seeing me post about Dope Coffee and Ironbound Boxing, two brands I'm extremely proud of. But this show is about us. This show is about you today as our first
1: guest. I I, I mean, I'm so hyped. Can't even tell you. I love, first of all, going to Ironbound, (laughs) just as as like the first guest, I got to still say, like going to Ironbound and seeing all of the youth working and the culture, like you can literally feel it once you open those doors and you get in there. It's like this sense of discipline and determination. And they're so hyper-focused that you can't help but like fall in step with it. So like... I'm, I'm a I'm a lifetime supporter.
0: Appreciate it, man. So the theme of this show is from Newark with love. Let's go ahead and get started. So, what brought you to Newark?
1: Ooh. So for me, Newark was a um, an opportunity. So I had started my agency right off the bat um, in my basement and tried to really get it to. Um, Find maturity. So I had already had a client roster when I was coming into Newark. When I came to Newark, it was actually for work because then um, I had the opportunity to expand my business and also do work for Cory Booker. Mm. And so um, that was the real genesis of when I looked at Newark realistically from from like mature eyes, because I also went to school in Jersey, so I went to school at FDU and had been through Newark um, in like 2002, 2003, 2004, a very different city. I came back here and I fell in love. And I was like, you know what? This is my opportunity to be a part of a multicultural city, um, a city that hadn't been hit by gentrification. And I think that I should move forward with doing it you know, the right way and move in, doubled my staff, took on a real office and, you know, moved myself in like 20 days. I moved my entire existence to the city and like doubled down on it. And you built your business from the ground up, self-funded also? Self-funded, man. No, you know, I used my main hustle to inspire my side hustle because the dream was really about creating a new um, agency. Like I had worked for so many agencies. I wanted my own agency that did the work in-house and that was really not the trend when i started my agency 10 years ago. The trend was to outsource. And i was so tired of outsourcing work to, you know, having to translate the work to so many people. i wanted my own digital craftsmen underneath my roof doing the work. And that's what that that wasn't going to happen through traditional lending. It just yeah. even back then it was like impossible to get a loan for a small business for me. So i just started using my main income and kind of giving siphoning it off a little bit. And then with my business partner, Raphael, who also went in on it, we created our first little mini studio, got a client roster, and then after year one, moved ourselves into Newark. Congrats, man. That's badass.
0: And that's probably real inspiring for those out there that are listening. You know, one thing I talk about is this show is Confessions of a Native Son. And one of the reasons I, I titled it Native Son is, you know, I'm born and raised in America, descended from slaves
1: in the South. You know, what about your background? So um I often tell everyone I'm Afro-Latinx. Yeah. So um for me my culture is, you know, I grew up in a cultural household that was Latino and then my roots are all part of like African ancestry, Moors, Spain, Puerto Rico.
0: Were you born in America? I was born yeah, you're a native son. As far as I'm concerned, if you were born in this country, you're a native son,
1: bro. I'm I'm proud proud to be in the in the family. No, it it's it, that part of it is like having the cultural makeup of 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 Latinx, but also having heavy roots to Africa. It, it's a, a pride point for my family. We celebrate, you know, we not that we shouldn't celebrate it, but we celebrate it every day in Latino culture. Our African roots, but we're all a part of like.
0: It's up. interesting. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in Newark, for, for me, right, when I moved here, my goal, to be quite frank, was to work with young black men, you know, through boxing. But when I opened up my gym in the Ironbound, all these Latino kids walked through the door. And so now with all the stuff I do around social impact, it's not fair for me to just say, you know, African-Americans and black, I just say people of color. You know, my kids are from Ecuador. Puerto Rico, the DR, I mean, they're from everywhere. And uh, it's it's part of my growth, you know, like as an individual, just to understand that like we have these relationships with the Latino community that, you know, unfortunately we don't um, embrace enough. And I've noticed that people in Newark do that are Latino, a lot of them do identify themselves as black.
1: I mean, I I was very fortunate because I grew up in that household and I also grew up in a community in Brooklyn where it's like, you're a person of color. We're all together. We grew up on I grew up on blocks like that. So, for me, not to acknowledge our commonality, or not to acknowledge how we're directly—I'm a direct descendant of the slave trade—that right. like Puerto Rican, as a as a as a makeup genetically, we're African, Indigenous, and Spaniard. That is what makes us. We're the direct result of. Um, the conquistadors. So, how can you not sit there and acknowledge your roots, or acknowledge even the physical attributes of ours that we've been graced with from all sides of it? So, I had to do some real, real heavy exploration. Like, went to Spain for a while, discovered the Moors. Most people don't even know that right. Spain was black, but yeah. 98 percent black Moors. You know, Muslim, ter- Muslim country, um, and you know how time and evolution turned it into what it is today. It was a Christian, a Christian country, but. I can I can not acknowledge who I am as a person. Like I joined I, I fight for people of color period.
0: Yeah, it's um like my background is in history and I'm getting my finishing up my masters in American studies. But like I feel like all this history I'm just now learning and I'm like really really hungry, which is why we're doing the pl- the podcast way we're doing because you know if it was just a business podcast, we're talking about business, but I want to talk about race and culture because for us as like founders of color, we can't turn that off. You know, I feel like we take that everywhere we go, you know. You doing what you're doing here in the city of Newark, you know, man, it's really empowering, and people need to see more, you know, of you and more of people like us doing this stuff because, you know, when we go in a place and we're one-on-one, it's really hard.
1: You know, we want to bring our culture into our businesses. And you can't not, you, you know, you can't do what you're doing and not acknowledge that color plays a role in how you engage the ecosystem of startups and founders. You go into rooms... This wonderful uh, woman just came from an event in Newark um, at the Marriott for women of color, and one of the 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 speakers, uh, Janelle Benjamin, was saying, you know, it's called the flinch Mm. when people were going to meet with her, and she's now turned into an investor, and she talks about the flinch when people like when you go into a meeting, they're like, oh, you're not kind of who I expected, or when you step into the room, uh, you know, a brand new entrepreneurship room, there's almost this little subtle flinch that they do. So, for me, it's like it plays a role. My, you know, startups of color, especially women of color um, and black women are completely at an obstacle once they get into this game. You know, what, 0.2%, 0.02% in right. of investment goes to women of color? Like, right. that's crazy. Um, and so, I think we need to fight an empathy for them. I think that's what you do every time you step out, Michael. Like, your your wins are like everyone's wins. We should be celebrating you to the top.
0: Yeah, you know, and uh, this brings me up to even just talking about equal space. So the first co-working space I stepped in was in like 2017, late 2017, when I got involved with WeWork and Bunker Labs. And the first time I stepped on WeWork, I was like, yo, what the heck is this? This is like a whole different thing. But I look back on that, man. You were like in the co-working space well before that kind of blew up, right? Yeah, I was
1: doing this work... Before the the before the major brand launch of WeWork, where WeWork kind of took, they kind of band aided co working. Where you right. think co working, you think WeWork because they dominated the game, just taking so many campuses on. And so for me, it was never to be co working, which is transactional, which yeah. is WeWork strength. Co working is like I give you a seat, you pay for that seat, you're a part of this space, you get conference room and coffee. Um, we do that here at Equal Space. That's how we maintain our, you know, our, our, our space. But share spacing, which is what we've always been since day zero, share spacing is my team and the community getting behind you to help Mm -hmm. you win. It's an allocation of sharing resources and sometimes sharing opportunities. A room I'm invited to might not be the room for me, but it might be the right room for you. So it takes nothing for me to share that with you and to allow you to win. And I'll say that because I see that in you. I mean, as soon as I reached out to you, because I think on LinkedIn,
0: right, or Facebook, we were just kind of like, I saw you say a comment on somebody's post that posts about me. And then I was like, who is this guy? And I reached out and then instantly we just started like building right off the bat. So I can see that in like your culture and your DNA. And so I know you're like bringing that into the brand. And that's what more people of color need, man. We need, you know, I my thing is I'm at this point now, right, where I feel like if we approach business and capitalism the way the mainstream has approached it. We're always going to have, like, for every one of us that makes it, we leave, like, 40 behind, right? And in order to, you know, I think we need a different approach. It's more like collective mentality. You know, I always talk about, like, even with this podcast and Dope Coffee, that's my brother, right? You know, like, this is a way for us to support each other in a very organic and authentic way to grow both our brands, you know? But for people of color, a lot of people are like, yo, yo, you know, I'm just going to that's my hustle, yeah,
1: protect my own. And that you know what that I, I feel like that blends in a lot with poor mentality. Like um, I, said, I said this when I was speaking at a, a woman's empowerment as a woman a woman ally. they I said, the biggest misconception that we have all been kind of grown to believe as entrepreneurs is that there is only one ring in this room for us to get. Like, And there are 20 of us in that room, and that ring is dangling in the middle, and we all have to run to grab that one ring. That mentality, that's not true. Your win is your win. There's a ring in front of every person in that room. So if there's 20 people in that room, there's not one ring. There's 20 rings. Just 19, one of those rings, might that ring might just belong to someone else. But there are other rings out there. I don't, I don't want, it means nothing to me to give someone else the win, as long as I'm not killing myself, like to give someone else an opportunity is me making sure we all win down the line because they'll, they'll ripple effect that.
0: And yeah, and I know for me, right, like when I started Ironbound Boxing, and especially once I launched the for-profit piece around employee wellness, I still get kind of pushback from old school, like investors and businesses that are like, hey, drop the philanthropic part. You know, focus only on the business. But for me, it's like, yo, I don't want to get to the mountaintop and be
1: the only one. You know? Well, how is that going to look? Because it doesn't—it doesn't always work as effectively when you reverse it. Because then. Is it as authentic? Right. Is, it, is it really the work you want to do? Or are you doing it for the optics of it? Whereas if we grow together and we're growing, I get this next rung. I'm bringing someone on the rung I just occupied, two people on that rung I just occupied. And aren't we all growing now? Aren't we all getting up there together so that you're at that mountaintop and there's like a whole bunch of us there hanging out with you? And I think like my business model and your
0: business model with like Equal Space too is very much of like that's real innovation.
1: You know what I'm saying? That's like, yo, if you want this business model, this comes with it. Yeah, and yeah. I've, been, I've I'm, I'm sat with investors who are like, do you wanna lean a little bit away from the social impact because you're not a not-for-profit? And I'm like, you don't have to necessarily, I think not-for-profit focuses your work. Right. I said, but I don't think you have to exclusively be just titled a not-for-profit to do really great impact work. I think your business can do well, and you can do work in your community at the same time. In five years, I've proven this model. So whenever an investor even comes at us with, you know, do you really want to do this mission? Or they want us to create really quick, you know, the the goal for Equal Space is to create campuses across the country, but in communities of color. And sometimes they're like, can you open up five in a a year? No, you're thinking like WeWork, I'm not WeWork. Um, to open up an equal space in a, in a community of color means I have to do listening. I have to be in that community. I need to find their pain points and I need to build an equal space that reflects their needs. The, the formula, the innovation is that equal space is built in places of trauma and through innovation and technology and entrepreneurship, we're able to solve those I- issues for people of color. I'm not gonna, you can't just open it up like a Dunkin' Donuts, no, no, no shade to Dunkin' Donuts, but like you can't do that. I have to like sit with my people and hear what their, what their problems are. I love it. And, you know, one
0: of the things, I, I, for, for forgive me for not saying this before also, but I know we talk a lot about, like, people of color, but you're also supporting the LGBTQ community as well. And, like, you were getting started in
1: that before, you know, it blew up as well in terms of, like, opportunities now opening up, right? Yeah, so I've done, ooh, I mean, working, I've worked and done art therapy at the Center in New York, like, 10 years ago. Um, I'm also one of the proud founders of the statewide LGBT Chamber of Commerce here in New Jersey. Um, I was one of the first members of the New York Chamber. Um, You know, diversity, inclusion, they're very popular words now. But for me, it's always been about um, equitable growth for my community because I think socially we're so, whether you're LGBT, a you know, person of color or you're a woman, we're set socially you know, at such a disadvantage right. that I, I know it's gonna take multiple angles for us to solve these problems. I mean, the wealth gap for women, that's something we have to work actively now We don't have 100, 200 years to wait for it to become equal. Same thing with LGBT persons. People don't realize that in New York and even in New Jersey, the predominant number of homeless um, youth are actually LGBT. And mainly people of color and maybe multiple are trans men and women of color. And for me, being a part of that community, I can't sit idly by wealth building for myself and, again, not take on... What I can to help them wealth build and have access to either employment or opportunities. So yeah, I've been, I, I've been slowly growing into my advocacy because I, I I would do it on the sidelines and behind the scenes. I don't think it was until I created Equal Space that I became so vocal about. You know, it's okay to wealth build. Even that used to be a dirty word yeah. in our community. Wanting to be wealthy right. or build a business. Um, I'm about through that you can have the resources you need to better yourself and eventually better your community.
0: Yeah, I think I might, I'm gonna do another episode where I talk particularly about like my relationship with like the LGBT community. Cause to be quite frank, I grew up in the South. When I was growing up, it was like, if you were gay, you're going to hell. That's just what everybody told us. But then, you know, and then I go into the military and it's super conservative. So there's very much that like machismo. Then you move to a place like Newark and like the Northeast in general. And you realize, man, everybody's human. We all, everyone bleeds red you know? And I took a class with a professor called sexuality and sexual politics. And it really just opened up my eyes to like the community and the history and the disenfranchisement. So many, um, you know, so many people Americans face because of their sexuality. And so that was, you know, just being connected up here just really just allowed like foster my growth. And I'm going to explore that probably on like a solo episode, but I would love to have you come on as a guest, and we just kind of go like we just talk about it.
1: You know? I have no no problems at all talking about it. We can't be for equal rights. You can't be for black rights, and and for, you know, immigrant voices and not include our LGBT brothers and sisters in it. We have to have that mentality because it's only through allyship that we're all going to get moved forward. So the support of the LGBT to you know, the, the causes of black citizens is the same thing that right now our immigrant voices are. We have children in cages. We have, you know, like, right. we have to all band and defend each other in right. order to keep this moving forward. And that's not that whole, oh, we're all the same. I'm not a colorblind person. We all have differences. Very vastly different experiences but they overlap I've experienced as a man of color several injustices and as an LGBT man the same and having to defend immigrant voices you know the same there's so much overlap in in what we're all facing that how can you not empathize yeah
0: that intersectionality of like being, you know, black and Latino and being homosexual and being in Newark. You know what I mean? Like, oh damn, God. there's layers. And then you it's look at deep. them and you're like,
1: damn, that's the same. Like, Newarkers right. are underestimated the same way black folk are underestimated, right. the same way I'm under, uh, underestimated as, as a gay male. Like, it, dude, there's so much that we do share in the injustice that we have to be like, you are different, but your same your same obstacles are my obstacles and we have to defend each other to move forward.
0: Because a co-working space in Newark is a lot different than like in Montclair, or, you know, Morristown and some of these places.
1: Yeah, I mean, I celebrate them. They all have different flavors and I'm all about them, but Newark's special.
0: So as somewhat of an OG entrepreneur here in the city in a very niche market, like co-working, community spacing, where do you see Newark headed next?
1: So Newark is on a really big trajectory. I, I have to tell people that all the time. You have to be able to future build a little bit in your head what Newark is going to look like. We have several developments going up that, you know, our mayor is consistently creating opportunities for equitable development of this city, for employment opportunities for local Newarkers, um, even the housing, rent, and so forth. He is addressing those now. You, you know, we have this this social justice-driven mayor that I believe in, that I have worked with, and 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 comes into Equal Space every month to record his own podcast, so I get to hear from him how impassioned he is. Just yesterday, he had a you know a, a wonderful breakfast with several. Brothers. Yeah, I went to that meeting, the man's meeting. It's yes. pretty cool. So it's like when you have a mayor who's doing that, you know, you know he wants to include these voices. But Newark is going to be a beast—hotels and skyscrapers, and so many um, residential developers—and we have um. I believe there's an artist co-working model coming into the city in the next couple of years. Um, and, you know, you have wins that you want to celebrate. Newark Arts is doing a whole... The festival is going to be bananas this year. Um, we have Tech Week coming up that, that in the fall. We're, we're planning to, to double that. So I, what I, I think I want people to know is if you come into Newark now and you have a dream to build your own business, brick and mortar or, you know, a not-for-profit or a... a social-driven programming, whatever you want to do, Newark is a really beautiful place to be a person of color and come in and try to build it because there are people here who want to help you.
0: What about the gentrification, right? me I mean, you've kind of talked about this because you all had an office space in Gateway Center where my veteran incubator is, and I've just noticed the black businesses that I felt like were in Gateway are no longer there. You know, and so now when I walk in Gateway, it's kind of eerie for me. And I texted you this just because, you know, you and Smitty and Moe's, you know, who I just got so used to seeing on my way into my incubator every day. But like, I think that's where people are getting pushed back is that, like, okay, we got all this stuff coming into the city, but is it for the community, right? Like, uh, is the community going to be able to benefit from this? What do you say
1: to, to that? I think that there's a lot of realistic fear there. I don't think I think if we don't keep the pressure up, I think if we don't stay extremely aware of what's going on in our city and ask the questions and ask the hard questions and make the stands, then we can be left out of the conversations. Um, in the case of Gateway, the the entire and the entire gateways except for one building were purchased by an outside entity. And their vision of what Gateway was going to become, while beautiful and definitely needed, we can all agree Gateway needs an overhaul, um, wasn't exactly inclusive of the small businesses that anchored the space throughout the years. Mm. Because Gateway was what it was, um, was because of the Smitty and Mo's and the Project for Empty Spaces and the Equal Spaces. Um, for me, I need to be, or I'm very selfish that Equal Space is in a place partnered with developers that believe in the vision of all new workers moving forward. And so we're very proud to be doubled up in our, this is RBH group, which is um, headed by Ron Bade. Um, and he has a ridiculously great team like Antonio Valla, Linda uh, Montanez, Linda Morgan. Um, the, just The team believes in New Yorkers and does so much in the arts and does so much partnering that I'm happier to align my resources because Equal Space doesn't get any freebies. We pay for our spaces. We got leases. Um, I want us to be in a place that just lines up with that. And really Gateway was transforming in a way that I didn't felt lined up with my mission. So you got to know when to be like, and that's enough and that's good. This was a great, we had three years, great there.
0: Going back to, you know, looking at your space and like even just talking and learn everything, I've kind of come to notice that I feel like for a lot of us as people of color, we don't have as much business stuff out there. Maybe we do, but it's just not mainstream, you know, whether it's like books and articles where we're talking about like marketing in urban communities, you know, like what does uh, building a business look like for a single mother in Newark with six kids and just seeing everything you've built here, I feel like you're that kind of guy, you know? I think too many times people call it, we look at these like mythical figures, don't get me wrong, love Seth Godin, love all these other people, but I feel like so many people can learn more from you because the reala- reality is we're going to be building our stuff from the ground up.
1: So, you, like, I could see him and be like, amen. It's just the truth. Like, I do enjoy a good Richard Branson talk. I do enjoy a good Seth talk. Or, you know, Gary um, from Vayner Media. And Gary built his stuff, so Gary's super dope. But their experiences are so far right. different. Than what it looks like to be a person of color starting. in. I think that's why I've been stepping up. And you saw me like on Latinos Out Loud. And they, we have to be seen. Yeah. And the stories have to be like, don't friends and family around me. My friends and family don't have the resources to do that. Like, my friends and family, if you've success, the successful one in the fam, yeah. they're looking to you for resources. So, like, that's not our story. That's not how we start up. And um, that's why I want us to keep doing these things and yeah. supporting it and sharing the hell out of it because. Um, Our stories are so different. I got that even when I went to CultureCon. I had the fortune of, shout out to my PR person, Tequila, um, of going to CultureCon last year and seeing how we win. It was the first time I went to an event and felt like, man, these are my people winning. Like, I've never shouted and hollered. Um, I mean, it's kind of easy when you see like Tracy Ellis Ross in front of you and um, Regina King and like these phenomenal women and men winning. But there were our people, you know, Harlem Capital was in the house there doing it, too. So it's like their stories are so similar to mine. It was the first time I felt like I was hearing nothing but our stories. But we got to keep doing this.
0: Yeah, I think that's a
1: good collab right there as we
0: start publishing stuff, you know, start. I mean, that's why we're doing this podcast, because I want to own some IP, intellectual property, you know, and I can easily see you writing a book. The color Man Guy to o- launching a co-working
1: space. And, you know, stuff like that is just so, like, you know, I think it's key, you know? Bro, you just, I have, I have two books in me that I'm, like, holding and, and, and waiting on that I want to, like, get into. So, uh, you know, I'm very excited for 2020 because I think we're, we're learning how to navigate our visions, but also how to do the work that we know is going to get others to be inspired by what we're doing. And I think that that also needs a little bit of energy. Like we were talking about you launching this podcast. This is amazing. This is intellectual property. This is content that can be a blueprint for someone listening. So how do we get that to, you know, Akbar Cook, who's a great principal at West Side, that's to show that out? Right. How do we get this, you know, and that's, that's as important to me as it is that it's your platform. It has to be that way.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. So um, for our audience out there, we've got them all over the country, a lot of conservatives, a lot of veterans, right? And this whole platform is a way of creating, you know, empathy and understanding amongst one another, not, you know, going at each other, but just sharing people insight into life in the urban community, life as people of color, life as native sons. In your closing remarks, what do you want to, people out there to know about, you know, what you're
1: doing and the platform you're building here in Newark and how they can help? Um, I think my main message is that you are welcome at Equal Space whether you're an entrepreneur, startup founder, or you're looking, we've done really great partner events for veterans with like the Hilton Group, with um, the Port Authority of New York, New Jersey. Um, I want my veterans to feel welcomed into the city and also to feel like they can find employment that they're passionate about, Um, whether that's like working for a corporation or working in it, that you're welcome to come to Equal Space to explore those options and meet with my people and be here and come to our events. 80% of our programming is free. So like even tonight, tonight, we're celebrating a Latinx artist. He has a, a full solo show downstairs in our third floor um, space. And you can experience some really great moments of practical, applicable action steps you can take to move yourself forward, whether it's as a professional or as a founder. And so that's my main message. Come to Equal Space. You're welcome here. You'll find people who reflect you and you'll be celebrated for who you are here.
0: That's awesome, man. Well, thank you
1: for coming on the platform, man. I appreciate you.
0: Super excited to keep build, keep building. Where can people follow you at?
1: So I am uh, first and foremost. You can find Equal Space at Equal Space Co on all platforms. So that's Equal Space Co on IG, Twitter, Facebook. Um, you can find me because I'm, I'm a fanatic about sharing this whole journey on um, City Medina. So everything is C-I-T-I-M-E-D-I-N-A on Twitter, Facebook, and IG, which I'm always posting on. Um, or you can go where I share my articles and share like my From Newark with Love um, uh, post are on citymedina.com.
0: It's dope, man. And he, thank you for featuring us in that last article. Got a lot of shares and everything, but it was great here chopping up with you. Going to have you on future episodes, man. And uh, come check out this space. You know, we got to support our own. You know, it's I know, don't get caught up in the bright, shiny objects. Know that there's people of color out there doing great stuff in the community. Have good businesses, you know, that just need support, you know? And it doesn't mean that the quality of service or anything you're receiving is like less than, you know, some of these big brands. Um, which a lot of us associate with, right? You associate the shiny objects, but man, you're just, this place is great. Like it's beautiful space. You got an event tonight. Um, we got we to gotta spread the love out there. Um, and uh, for if you like this podcast, just please be sure to subscribe and support us by giving us five stars and leaving a review on iTunes. That really helps, you know, us get at the top of the, the podcast list. And for the show to anyone uh, in your network who you feel like identifies with the subject matter, you know, we we both know what it's like being a person of color in a predominantly, you know. Uh, environments where we can't really express ourselves or we're struggling to understand ourselves. And this is what it's for as we just kind of talk through it and figure it out in a, in a genuine way. And then also go order some dope coffee. You can get some at realdopecoffee.com. Again, same thing with Equal Space. We got to support our businesses. And you all know I run Ironbound Boxing, which funds free boxing program for, low, for youth and young adults in low-income communities. We got the Ironbound Boxing Academy here in Newark. Got Medina and his crew came through. It was great having them. And I'm really looking forward to getting our kids from the academy you know, to come through and see this space as well. Because you don't have to go to New York City to see that stuff. You can come right here in Newark, but they don't know. You know, that's the reality of it is, as nice as stuff is downtown and all these little hidden gems, they, they haven't been exposed to that, which is why we got to shoot the videos and the content to show them. And they're going to ask us like, hey, where'd you guys shoot that stuff at? But all the work we do here in the city, you know, is we don't charge a dime. Nothing we do in the city of Newark do we charge for the kids in the community. So in order to keep our programs going, we need you to donate at uh, ironboundboxing.org. Five, ten, twenty dollars a month recurring donations really help us out. Or if you have part of a firm that would like to support some of our media projects, you know, just feel free to reach reach out to me at uh mike and we are you can follow both of us on linkedin we produce a lot of content linkedin works really well for us in terms of connecting um and uh yeah man just keep supporting the show pleasure again having you brother Always. until next time peace love and everybody have a great re- rest of your week i'm
1: a free black man hold up my head black man beautiful black man I don't feel nice man i love your the black man and chase your dreams black man and get that cream black man we the original man